would a string of seemingly unrelated synchronicity lead to creating one of the largest and most successful UFO conferences in the world? Co-founder of Contact in the Desert, Victoria Gavoyan, shares her story with all of its twists and turns of how she serendipitously stumbled onto her path. Not necessarily knowing where the path would lead, she knew she was making a beeline to something significant that would not only change her life, but impact the thousands who are witnessing the exponential shift in energy that we are experiencing right now. When we think of the field of ufology and the multitude of special events and conferences and lectures on this now burgeoning field, there's definitely one event that comes to mind, and that is Contact in the Desert, one of the, if not the largest UFO event of its kind. It's a three-day extravaganza that many of the most diehard followers of ufology from all over the world, I might add, are sure to attend, and for good reason. Contact in the Desert features the most prominent voices in the field, dropping the latest research and news on a subject that, although has seen its fair share of scorn and ridicule in the past, it's finally gaining more momentum within the mainstream of society. Well, today, I am so delighted to have the co-founder of Contact in the Desert with me, and that's my friend, Victoria Gavoyan. So welcome, Miss Victoria. Hi, welcome. I'm welcoming you. <laughs> well, you can say welcome, too, because I am in your home as well as your, your being in mine, in my home studio. So. Yes, thank you. Alexis, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. At long last, we have you on. Well, listen, I have to tell you, uh, uh, I'm speaking to the Higher higher Journeys audience at this point. Though Victoria and I have not known each other for that long, only about a year, I'd say, when we first made contact with each other, it was as if we were two long-lost friends who hadn't seen each other for years, but picked up right where we left off. Maybe... I don't know, maybe in some other lifetime, uh, on some other planet or dimension, we were friends. And although I say that somewhat facetiously, you never know. Right, Victoria? Absolutely. You never know. <laughs> I do think there's something to that. Well, in segueing, uh, speaking of uh, visiting or even living in other worlds and in other levels of reality, this idea is not so far off to you, is it? You idea of doing living well we're, I want to talk about some of the experiences that have led up to what you're doing today I want you to talk about your entry point into these fantastic and mysterious realms of otherworldly reality because I know you have a little to share in that regard yes yes <laughs> okay so all right so we're gonna go way back when uh, okay here basically I started off many many years ago and I used to go to the Bodhi tree which was the most uh, amazing bookstore actually in the world that was metaphysically inclined. It was a metaphysical bookstore in Los Angeles. And the, the Bodhi Tree was where everybody went. I mean, everybody got started there. Shirley MacLaine, all the rest of it, all everybody. Well, I used to buy so many books there from there um, because I had this, this amazing appetite for this kind of information, alchemy, medics, anything that, that dealt with the esoteric. And the Bodhi Tree was the place to go. So I went there so much that I bought so many books that my husband said, okay, that's enough. Don't bring home any books, right? <laughs> so then what ended up happening is I would sneak them in at night, taking them out of the bag so they wouldn't make any noise. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't work either. So then he, he again, he said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And I said, okay, fine. I won't buy any more books. 
but I'm going to open a bookstore instead. So that's, what oh, that's all, honey. I'm just going <laughs> to open a bookstore. <laughs> exactly. So I opened up the first bookstore, uh, which was really just a lot of fun. I mean, I so enjoyed it. We were the first to go uh, to have metaphysical videos, rentals in a, in a bookstore environment. Um, I sort of led the uh, whole thing on the packaging of books on tapes at that time, went around to all of the different uh, publishers to make sure that they would be able to put these, this information uh, on the shelves because, you know, I had to fit a certain way, the packaging, of course. There were so many things that we started doing. We were the first to do, um, right after the Bodhi Tree, when they did their wooden shelves, uh, we did them as well. An interesting thing, Alexis, when we opened up our bookstore, I spent about six hours a day, uh, five, six days a week, just going through shelf after shelf there. And it was so cute. They would serve me tea and all that. They were so giving. They, they really were supportive in, in and helping others to open up these stores to help awaken uh, humanity. And so I would be there and I would work and I would get all these titles and everything. And, and afterward, when you came into our store, I had bookshelves that were wooden as well. I wanted it to feel like you were at the Bodhi Tree because it meant so much to me. And then I, I had the shelves themselves in the same sort of order so that that way when you came in, you felt like you'd been there many times before. So there was a lot that went into it in the background of it. But the beautiful part about being in the bookstore business is that literally you're surrounded by these amazing books first of all and each one had its own voice and before i would open the bookstore in the morning and it was quiet and the staff hadn't arrived as yet you could you felt like there were all these voices calling to you saying read me no read me <laughs> it was it was very interesting and, yeah. and you could feel it now, I did have a very interesting, may I share, a ghost experience. <laughs> Please do. Well, that's what I want you to get into because we we know that, well, I know that you have had some quite interesting uh, contact experiences, I might say, of non-human intelligence, et cetera. So, yes, let's segue into that. Let's, let's. Well, we had just opened up our bookstore and it, this is going to sound hilarious, but I'm like a, a neat freak when it comes to books. I wanted them to be clean so that when you came in. But we were just beginning, and I didn't want to advertise a lot yet because I wanted people to come in and see the bookstore full. So every day we would go about dusting and cleaning the books. So I'm dusting the back, and all of a sudden I look over, and there's this young girl standing at our, our, um, our uh, book stand where our new books were. And she's standing right in front looking down and she's wearing shorts but she's barefooted and I'm looking at her and uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how did she get in I didn't hear the bell go off or anything so I, I said okay I'm gonna go help her I put the thing down I turned around she was gone so something said go stand exactly where she was standing I don't know why but I wanted to see what she was looking at something compelled me to do that Go look and see what she was looking at. So I went over to the new bookstore, uh, book stand, uh, and I looked down. I got in the position where she was standing, and I looked down, and there was a book, and it said, "There is life after death." Hmm. Is that interesting? I, she was looking at this book. There she was. She had passed on, and she was looking at a book that was based on where she was at that point. Isn't that something? Yes. 
So that's an interesting experience. Also with Sai Baba, I had another experience with that. Did you really, with Sai Baba? Oh yeah, it was really interesting. We have a section on him in the bookstore, right? And uh, there were, when I came in in the morning, there were flowers lying on the floor all the way up and then up the shelves to the shelf of his books and there was the, the, the flower right there in front of his books. I tell you, I know it's bizarre. Oh my but goodness. I'm, yeah. So I've, I, the, the store was very good to me. Um, the name of it was Alexandria 2 Bookstore. Uh, we have one in Pasadena and Westwood. And the interesting thing about it was named after the ancient library of Alexandria. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah. All those works were. But, but one of the, another thing that was great about being in the bookstore business at that time was I got to meet all these speakers, right? And we had, we had an incredible selection of UFO books and things. And we would invite these people in to speak. And uh, the Coast to Coast hadn't been uh, yet. There was a, another fellow, Bill Jenkins, who had a show and at that time. And so we were the first to advertise, uh, first bookstore advertising on the radio, national radio like that, a metaphysical bookstore, rather. And so there were a lot of first things that we did that made that quite successful. And uh, from the bookstore business, um, I then went into programming because I had already known all the speakers and everything. So it kind of bounced forward on that. And then I went to, I ran for 11.3 years, I ran the uh, Joshua Tree Retreat Center. Mm-hmm. And I meet a lot of new people there to, as well. So my life sort of led me up to this point. I mean, there was only three or 400 people coming here when I got there. And when I left, there were 30, 40,000 people coming and wow. going out of there. Yeah, from the different events that we had played. So I was already conditioned and prepared so that when contact in the desert came around, uh, I was already I was already ready to go. Right. I knew everything I needed to do to, to make it happen. And Paul Andrews, my partner in contact in the desert, came up to me one day and said, uh, "Look, you're doing it anyway. Let's do let's do a conference together." And I said, "Okay, fine." We kind of laid out all the different kind of subject matter that we were interested in. There were two or three of them. And I said, okay, we'll do this first, which was the contact in the desert, UFO one. And then we'll go to the the next one after. Well, the strange thing about it all is that contact in the desert grew so organically, uh, effortlessly, to the heights that it is at now. It it grew incredibly fast. We we did not expect it at all, (laughs) I tell you. We were just, okay, we're going to do a conference, but... This thing gets bigger and bigger each year. I, well, that's <laughs> evident, and we're gonna we're gonna get it. We're gonna actually segue into that because there's just so much uh, that that you can share not only about what's what's coming up, but what has happened in the past. But I'm just remarking, Victoria, at the and you and I have talked many times about the synchrony synchronicities that have uh, been in your life. It seems for your entire life and unfolding and unfurling to reveal something bigger, almost as if like that voice that told you go stand where you saw that apparition and it had something to show you it seems like you have it seems like you have a nose for uh following your path i would say they're called life assignments you know we start off one way and and i can tell your audience this that every single thing that you learn in your lifetime everything that you go through are all needed for something else further along down the line Mm-hmm. That's right. Now that I'm older, I can look back and I see the importance of every little job that I had. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's really incredible. 
when you start to look back at your life and you go, oh, I see why that had to happen because this other thing had to happen. And you find that it's, it's, it's all interconnected. There are no mistakes. Everything is in preparation for the next. I remember when I was running the bookstore and then uh, we opened the second one and et cetera. And what happened was is that we had so many different employees and I was being pulled in this direction and that direction and 30 people here and 40 people there and all these things. And, and I, sometimes, I, I felt like my mind was just going to break because I had everybody coming up and asking questions constantly, day in, day out. And for years it went on like that. And then one day I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, then I went over to this little book and it was called White Eagle. Now, don't ask me why I did that. I have no clue. I just went straight over to this book and I just opened it up. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Where Absolutely. You just, book dowsing. You know, <laughs> and, and then what happens is there's something there for you, right? Yes. So, so I just went over, I opened the book and it said, you are being prepared for something that will be coming in your future. Isn't that something? <laughs> and, and that... And that these lessons, and it goes on and on about being prepared, being prepared. Well, then I stepped back and I said, okay, if I'm to have responsibility to this extent, then in the future, and I'm, and, and this is the reason why all this is happening is so that I will be prepared mentally and physically to take on whatever it may come. And you had no idea at the time what that something would be? No, no idea. conscious idea. idea. Okay. No idea. But I've always been a fixer of myself. I've always been on a path. I, I, even when I was younger, I was like maybe 14 years old or so. And I found that I couldn't walk out of the house without makeup. And then I realized, when I realized that, I went, oh, well, in that case, you're not allowed to wear makeup for a year. <laughs> now go figure, who thinks like that? I feel embarrassed even saying it. And I was like, what? Where did I get that at? And so for a year, I went with completely without makeup. So after that, it made me not rely on anything other mm. but of who I was. Very interesting. Yeah. You, yeah, that's amazing. You, let's pause there for, for a minute, Victoria, because I think this is something you and I touched on this in our chat yesterday offline about how uh, following not not looking for synchronicity, but recognizing it and noticing that it follows a pattern of, an, again, I, I use the term unfurling for life's path, even if you don't know consciously what that path is, you know that you're on one. And I love the point that you made that, particularly after you've, you've uh, done a few years, you've been around for a little bit, can look back in retrospect and say, now I understand why that happened, particularly those things that we would view at the time as perhaps misfortune. Uh, or something that we didn't want to have happen, but also the things, the serendipitous things that that weren't were good, you know. But that everything that this is really about the continuum of uh, the continuum of consciousness, really, in a way, within the physical world, uh, how everything is connected. I should say, a absolutely everything. Nothing can, nothing is disparate. So I that's something I think that uh, we could all do to uh, do well to meditate on. And just let things unfurl and let universe um, be in control along with us, of course. So. Well, the trick is is to be able to have be fearless. You know, many times, much to my husband's dismay, I have switched my. I've always been in service. Always, that was always my main thing. That was number one in my life. That's how it has always 
laid out. But I've never been afraid to leave one thing and move to another. You know, I, I experienced something the other day where I saw five young men all graduated from some uh, a very um, uh, big college there in, in, in Boston. Mm-hmm. And, and it was interesting because when I started to discuss the jobs, they were all, it's just a job. It's just a job. When I got to the point where something was just a job, I don't know if I bought that in with me or what. I don't think I did any analyzing. I just said, okay, it's time to move. I could feel it in my gut. Mm. Because when you don't leave something, I'm talking specifically about jobs right now. When you don't leave it, you you sabotage yourself anyway. All you're doing is you're just you know kind of postponing the change. When if we can just allow ourselves to understand that, you know, you got this one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And do you want to live your entire lifetime with just a anything? Right. Do you want to stop yourself from your own growth? I mean, you're, the, the whole focus of this lifetime is not what you can accumulate. What the focus of your lifetime is, is to perfect one's being. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to really sit back and question now, looking back again, remember, here I am in my early 60s, so I can look back. And every time I went from one job to the next, I always made more money. Now, why do I say that? Because that's the impetus where most people lie. Mine was not because of more money. Mine was basically, oh, it's time's up. You've learned what you could get out of this. Let's move on, Victoria. We got, we're got we on a time schedule here. Hmm. And I don't know what bought that. On. I only know that it's something that you feel. You could feel it inside when something is empty, when something has nothing more to give you, and you have nothing to gain, and that it's just a place where you're just kind of sitting there on the road, and you're not making any decisions or a movement. Now, I've always believed that there are no mistakes, and I remember in my life, I've always gone after things that nobody else was striving for. Mm-hmm. So so even when we went after contact in the desert, there weren't that many people doing that kind of thing. So it was an open field. Now, of course, it's changing. You know, the, the, you know, the speakers themselves are going out and doing that things on their own. And, and it, you know, that even that changes everything. But but you have to be willing to walk away. You cannot be so tied to anything in life that you're frightened that mm-hmm. you become because if you're, you've had Dr. Joe Dispenza on before. I, I, I know that. And, and I love what he says about how, our, how we think and feel creates our reality. Mm-hmm. It's, they, our whole reality is based on how we think and feel. So if, if how I think and feel is what my reality is based on, and I am fearful what am I going to attract? What am I going to create? Mm-hmm. If That's frequency right. goes up into the field and the frequency is, I'm fearful, guess what's going to collapse in the wave function, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. So we have to make a decision at one point in our life that we have to trust, just as in Michael Singer's book, uh, Un- Untethered Soul. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the surrender experiment, that, the other one's by him as well. But in the surrender experiment, I love it because he just kept 
letting go and letting go and surrendering to each thing that went came to his life mm-hmm. and his life just got better and better and better and, and and within those things there were there were these huge leaps of growth but he he didn't feel that he had to stay in one thing forever he focused on only one thing and that is perfecting himself and that's what i feel for myself i sit there and i'm always working on perfecting myself now that job may come and that job may go, but I'm still stuck with me. Mm, I love that. I'm going to quote you on that one. <laughs> That's beautiful, Victoria. I think, you know, you're talking about something that I think is perennial wisdom. In fact, I'm reminded of, of course, the perhaps one of the most famous uh, biblical quotes, let go and let God. Um, and yet we live in a society that seems so predicated on 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 planning and on because of fear uh, of failure or fear, of, the fear of letting go. Because again, to the in the materialist view, we live in a random, chaotic universe, not an ordered one, which uh, is which, of course, to me is hogwash, and I know to you as well. But you're real. What we're really doing by letting go and watching things, I keep using that term, unfurl naturally and grow, help aiding in the perfection of one's not only one's uh, outer vessel but inner uh, as well we allow that wave because we're, we're talking about perhaps wave particle duality everything exists in that wave right and when the wave function collapses it turns into uh the particle if you will the physical manifestation but if it's restricted energy how can it move freely and do that uh some people i think have a proclivity toward a, the letting go if you will you're obviously one of them i think i tend to be as well but uh it is so be- and i I have to say that obviously living in a society and the controllers of society that want to contain, we just talked about this with my last guest, Neil Kramer, uh, containment and control does not bode well for those that are willing to let go. And those that do the containing and control, I don't think want to see that happen because they want to keep you restricted and in fear. So if you can overcome that, which you not only have overcome it, I think you're just built for it, to be frank. I think you did perhaps come into this incarnation that way. I don't know. Um, We could all do well to do a little bit more of that. So I appreciate that. But go ahead. I'm sorry, please. I was just going to mention that one of the things that are really important that I, you know, we're always learning, right? One of the things is that if, if an individual for the, I don't know why I want to talk about working for some reason. I have no clue. I don't normally There's a reason. <laughs> That's right. There must be somebody out there. Um, you know, when you're the boss of something, you know, you're controlling everything. It's really hard to allow uh, others to manage it and, and, and take that position of controlling a certain element. Well, one of the things I realized, get this, is that when you've grown up as an independent and you've been conditioned not to rely on someone else, then you will tend to be successful because you've learned to thrive on your own or to survive, excuse me, survive on your own. Mm -hmm. Now... The interesting thing about it is I started to look at that. Like, why is it that those who are successful or those who are um, in command or in charge or in control, why is it that they can't let others shine or why is it that they can't 
let others take over. You know, it could be a fear of like, are they not, they're not going to do it as well as I can or whatever. And I realized something. When you grow up and you've been the only one that's helped you to survive, it has to do with trust. Because if you didn't grow up in a situation that had people around you that could that you could trust to help you or trust to guide you or trust to help you to survive, you are certainly not going to show that later on in life because you've done it all your own. So for those of you who are kind of captured in their job or captured in their work and not allowing the space for others to thrive in that same space, it's only because you've, one of the reasons I should say, is because if you've never relied on anybody before in your life, it's harder to let go now. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. And, and so, and so what I do now is I trust in the field. I, I look at the individuals because I have a tendency to want to make sure that everything is right, just right. You know, that's not, that's not real, not in this world anymore. Yeah. You know, you, no one can do anything by themselves. You want to start a business? Don't go out there and do it by yourself. Not going to happen. And the reason why is because the way that energy is right now at our specific time during, for humanity, it's about where one or more are gathered in my name. In other words, it has to be a group effort. It could be one, it could be two people. I'm sorry, where two or more are gathered in my name. Excuse me. Um, it has to be two people or more to make things happen. It takes more energy to break through. Why? Because everybody wants to make it. Everybody wants to be successful. So there's more energy that's needed now to gain access to that success, that that stratum within the field where that success lies. Mm, that's interesting to think about. Well, I know that in, 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 there's power in numbers. I, again, I think more perennial wisdom here. And now more than ever, we need the numbers to, to make that, that shift in paradigm that I think so many of us are looking for. Well, let's, let's, th that's great. Thank you for that. You know, I always say a prayer, Higher Journey, Higher Journey's audience out there, just so you know, I always say a little prayer just before we go on air. And I, I say as much planning as we might do, let this conversation go where it needs to go to be of the benefit for those who will be on the receiving end of it. So I didn't expect it to go there, but I do appreciate that, Victoria Gavoyan. That's important. And uh, we're going to revisit that conversation again. I think you, uh, you're great to speak about that. But speaking of power numbers, I now want to segue to contact because we get this little event going on. And oh, <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course, big event going on. And uh, about 30 days, I would say, I think almost to the day, uh, yeah. June 1st to the 4th. And uh, we talked about sort of the impetus for how this got, got started for you. But I want to ask you a question. Going into year six, this is going to be the sixth annual event. I'm sure by now you have a fairly good measuring stick for how this subject matter uh, has deepened, intensified, and gained more momentum. You having a purview that you do. What do you think this is due to? The, the subject matter we're talking about here and the growth of contact. What do you think well, it's due to? First of all, I was speaking to an astrophysicist um, who had took, taken over uh, the job of um, what Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, was working mm -hmm. on in regards to the abductions. And the, and so I was talking to him a few weeks ago, and he said that abductions are actually on the rise. Hmm. So first of all, more people are, are experience, having experiences. And with technology that we have today, 
there's more proof. You get what I'm saying is, is that uh, all over the world, we, we're, there are videos coming in, pouring in that show, uh, you know, different ships, different this, different that, anomalies that are in the skies that can't be explained. We don't, ju we just don't have that kind of technology to be able to replicate the movements of some of these objects. Um, even at Contact in the Desert, what was it uh, last year, or the year before, we had over a hundred uh, sighting. Uh, we had a hundred people, over a hundred people have a sighting. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about that. G go into that a little bit, if you would. This is, you know, that's all the buzz. All whenever somebody comes to Contact in the Desert, because I, I believe there have been more than one occasion where that's happened, right? Absolutely. It seems like almost every year we have some form of sightings. The thing about this one was is that. We were setting the cameras up because we needed to capture people looking through the night vision goggles, which, by the way, it's my my greatest possession. <laughs> and I'm, by the way, I'm so glad you brought that up. Note to self, <laughs> remind Victoria to let her let you have <laughs> night vision goggles. I want to borrow them myself. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I just, I, I love those. And, mm. and you can see things that with the naked eye, you cannot but this, but first we saw it through the night vision goggles. Then we could use the pointer to point it out. And then the people with the naked eye can see it. And so over 100 people saw it. There were these objects going in the sky, uh, all in tandem, and, and doing odd movements that would be impossible for a, a regular airplane or even, uh, and too high for a helicopter, that's for sure. Um, so that's the kind of thing that, is that are opening the eyes to so many people. Then, of course, in December, that big thing in yes. the New York Times. And, and then, of course, the, the finding out of the $22 million that the government was spending and that the, the office to find these anomalies on UFOs and stuff was right there at the Pentagon. I mean, these are the kinds of things that, that, that suddenly uh, propelled it into an even greater height than it was even last year because it was already moving up. Mm -hmm. uh, closure pro project in Washington and all that, trying to get others. And we have a lot of uh, senators and congressmen come, and they're all very vocal about it. And then when you hear the astronauts, and they're telling you, yes, we do see them, yes, they are out there. When you have people coming out and, that are high military uh, individuals, uh, you know, uh, FBI or NASA uh, whistleblowers, when these kinds of people, credible people, are coming out, you can't keep doubting. It's it's impossible, and they're coming out with proof on these things every day, more and more proof. And and as I said before, the videos that are coming in, just pouring in from all over the world, there is definitely something going on. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. I, I yeah, go ahead. You you could look at this as remember in the movie What the Bleep. Mm -hmm. Remember. And Columbus came. It was in his diary that when he arrived on the ship, uh, was coming with his ship, the, the the natives would be there standing on the shoreline, but they didn't see the ship. That's right. Right. They would see the water was lapping in a certain direction, meaning that something was coming. And then the shaman came out. And the shaman would see it, uh, did see it. And then suddenly it that shaman points it out to the rest of them, and then everybody sees it. And that's what happened. Well, that's what I believe happens with UFO. It's kind of uh, the morphic resonance, as Sheldrake talks about. Mm -hmm. 
X amount knows, it's like the hundredth monkey effect, then then the rest of them just rest of humanity automatically starts to see it as well. So that may be it as well. That's very interesting. Thank you for that. I think that's a good point. I do think that there's definitely, we're all familiar with the hundredth monkey, and I am familiar with the Columbus story. Um, but I also think, Victoria, and I've wondered, let's just say I'm pondering this and developing this idea that could it be, we talked about abductions briefly, and maybe we can get into that a little bit more, more people having experiences, not just of seeing craft in the sky, but actual being on the craft in some cases and ha- being visited by different forms of non-human intelligence. And what I'm wondering, I always have wondered, could it be that many more people are having experiences, not consciously aware of them, until some trigger, like uh, even if it's a news report or something that will trigger a remembrance of their own experience uh, of perhaps being abducted. I call it unconscious contact. Might we be experiencers and not know it? And I'm going to keep that under my hat because I'm looking at developing a, maybe a talk on that subject. But uh, that's really something that I think uh, is interesting. And perhaps we will have some level of mass epiphany in that regard soon. What do you think? Absolutely. No question. Um, You know, when I used to read, I have still yet to get through Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm serious. (laughs) Don't tell Whitley that. He'll be there. Don't tell him. I I said, Whitley, I said, every time I read your book, I, I completely go back into that space and start attracting them to me. There's a trigger. You know, I... I had, I have, I personally have had my own experiences. This is what I wanted to get to. Please do tell. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I am a very, very grounded individual. I, to, I want to say that up front. Oh, but these experiences are, are, are very real to me. Very sure. real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been going out of body since I was nine years old. So I know the difference between an out of body experience, a lucid dream experience, and an abduction. Each one has a different feel to them. So when I had experienced, uh, there were so many, I don't even know where to start here. Um, well, just give us a thumbnail. <laughs> our audience loves this stuff. So please carry on. One of the things was, is that I, that I came to understand was that, that I, I'm going to give you the example first. I'm in this experience where I'm fully awake and aware. And I can see, I saw my husband. And so I said, Chuck, it's me. It's like I would wake up from a dream. Just like people say they, they wake up on a table, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the, and they have these beings leaning over them, working on them. I mean, that's happened too. But in this particular case, I wake up. And my husband's there, and I go, "Oh, Chuck, you're 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 awake. You're I mean, you're you're there. You can you can see me. We're we're together in this space." And I was so excited about it. And he just looked at me kind of strangely. And so instead of that warm, inviting look, I got this strange, like, "Okay, what do I do?" <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I. Can do. And I said, I said. Oh, you must be asleep still. You're like sleeping in this state, da da da, right? And I put my hand up to touch his face, and it wasn't him. Oh my gosh! It was 
one of them because I could feel the structure, the bone structure, not it was in a bone, but I could feel the skin structure of that end of that being. So I realized and recognized that they do have control over your mind. But let's look at this uh, uh, in a different way. Everything is mind, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you right? So we're constantly creating uh, our reality. And so if everything is mind, then, and things influence our mind continually through the day, if a person walks through the room, you're affected. And if, you're, and if the person doesn't walk through the room, you're affected. It's the same thing. If it's constantly reacting to your body, your environment, and time, as Joey would say, um, then naturally, if one knew how to change the environment, to manipulate the environment, then it would change the way you see things. Absolutely. So if you're doing it constantly, then of course they can do it. Mm -hmm. And they're probably leap years beyond us. Absolutely. Well, that's been called screen memory, actually, by uh, by several in the field. Uh, the ability to, to have, and again, it's somewhat nebulous as to who is triggering the screen. In other words, uh, where you think you may be seeing a clown. I know that's been talked about. And when those people in regression that think they have been in the presence of a clown, let's say, in regression, it, and they go deeper, they'll find out that that is not the clown, but a, a being that may be too hideous to, to lay eyes upon. So we don't know whether that's being triggered by our own mind or theirs having the ability perhaps to manipulate ours or a combination thereof. But either way, I think that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, another time when I was lying, uh, I was lying on a table and came to, and I said, what's going on? What's happening here? I saw a teacher of mine and I said, Marie, what are you, what are you doing here? And she just looked at me in a very loving manner and said, not to worry, uh, just think of how much more you'll come to know. Because I realized that what woke me up was the, the was a, there was like a needle pressed into my forehead. Uh, but I mean, or, or my, yeah, to the right, on the right side, which I found out which where our memory lies. And so they were doing something with my memory. And, and when you, when you come to that realization that this is all going on and you're, it's not your will, you, you panic at first, you know, you're, you're, you're panicked. You don't like the feeling uh, of, of being manipulated in that manner. But after a while, I noticed that many of the people who have been abducted, it becomes meaningless mm -hmm. because you're, you don't have any control. They're just picking you up and doing whatever. Well, uh, what, after a while, when I became fearless, right, because, you know, I knew what was happening. Um, I, I remember very clearly going to them and saying, why are you doing this? What's, wh what are you gaining? What's, what is happening here? Why, why do you have to do this? And they, that one being said to me that you, you, you don't want to know, like you can't handle <laughs> it's like that movie. Can't handle can't the truth. <laughs> truth. Right, exactly. You wouldn't be able to handle the truth. And I said, no, no, no. I can do it. I can do it. No problem. Let me, I want it. I want it. And I was really insistent. I did not give up. Come on. Let me know. Let me know. 
So they probably got sick of that every time. And um, then finally, they told me, well, once I found out, I completely fell apart. Not because of what was happening. I, it was my ego. Because I didn't realize how much control they really had over us. Mm. Wow. Found out how much control they actually had. It completely just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. So then what I said is, okay, fine. Uh, after two or three days of that, um, I said, okay, fine. I don't need to know now. It's fine. I, I can, because I found myself not being able to function properly. And so then I, I just simply said, just take take the memory away. Now, of course, read Will Ridley's book brings it all back. Right. But the point I'm making is this, is that, uh, I still remember that part. That was all I remember. I didn't remember any more details than that. And I, I and to be honest with you, it doesn't matter because I just had an experience with three months ago or so where um, I was taken, uh, I know I was inside, I don't know if it was on earth or where, but it was actually where our, our military was working with them, with them and I was there. Hmm. So, yeah, so, it was very, very interesting. While I was there, I, they had this machine, and it had to do with time travel and da da da. So there was a lot of things going on. There's a lot going on. I think there's a lot. Have you ever talked about this before, Victoria, publicly? You know, I, just pieces, just yeah. a little piece here and there over the years. Um, you know, I, I, my path is not to be is not to be glamorized or distracted. No. No. by anything outside of me it's really about what's inside and so i stay very centered there yes i will have experiences but just as dr joe says you can't let your body environment or time control the way you think and feel because then your reality is going to be based on that so i'm very careful i'm awake enough to constantly uh to to want to be the observer in my own life you know i want to know what am i thinking what am i feeling right. uh what i'm saying or doing Every moment, uh, I have found that in knowing that I have control over my my reality, what I'm going to experience, uh, if it's going to be based on how I think and feel, then let me keep myself in a frequency that is acceptable. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, watching my frequency constantly, like, okay, am I feeling depressed or am I feeling good? Am I feeling bad? Whatever. Because I know I'm going to draw those experiences to me so that I can experience, so that they're part of my life. Well, it's made me awake. You know, I always look at Eckhart Tolle and I admire the fact that he can stay centered in that space and not move. I love that. Yeah. So the only thing that got me there was just to recognize the fact that if I watch my frequency, if I, if I know where I am thinking and feeling from, I can keep myself at a certain space. Now, that's not to say that I'm, I can be, that I'm not surprised by things, but, but I also am accepting surprise. Like I wake up in the morning and I say, okay, God, what you got for me today? Like I'm not, I don't want to have to go back and relive my past. I don't want my past to be my future. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Awareness, I always say, uh, 
is so important. When I say awareness, I mean just being not only cognizant of your surroundings, but cognizant of your feeling, where those feelings may be coming from. Really just being aware. Um, that's all part of the letting go, right? That we talked about at the top of the show. And when you and the movement and the freedom of energy to allow, I don't know, to allow a map to be drawn for your life. And in that freedom, you will follow that map, even though you don't know where the destination is. I'm kind of getting caught up there. But and it sounds like you have a, a propensity in that direction. There's there's no question about it. Listen, we're going to take a quick break because I can see this could go for, as is usually the case with us, Victoria and I, forever. So let's take a quick break. We're going to take a one minute break and we'll be right back, folks. Hold on. Join us in Indian Wells, California for the sixth annual Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, June 1st through the 4th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure filled with exciting explorations into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact. This amazing weekend offers more than 50 lectures, 40 workshops, eight exciting panels, and special events. Contact in the Desert features leading experts, including George Norrie, Giorgio A. Sukulas, David Wilcox, Linda Moulton Howe, Michael Tellinger, Eric Von Danigan, Corey Good, Doc Wallach, and many more important researchers and scientists in the field. With a breaking New York Times story, Disclosure of the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program, Contact in the Desert is the place to go to get the inside track. Join us at contactinthedesert.com or call 760-660-8484. That's 760-660-8484. It's time to make contact. That's contactinthedesert.com. All right, everyone, we're back with Victoria Gavoyan, co-founder of Contact in the Desert. I love uh, all of the uh, things that you're sharing with us, Victoria. And, you know, as I'm, I'm listening to you and your walk, your spiritual walk that you obviously have had uh, most, if not all of your life, it makes me think of being at Contact in the Desert last year. Last year was the first time uh, we covered uh, Contact for Higher Journeys. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with the energy and enthusiasm that was present among the attendees. And there, what I found was definitely uh, an overtone, like yourself, of spiritually minded people, not just there to pick up the latest news and research on the nuts and bolts of the UFO subject, but with more of a metaphysical or consciousness-based interest. So there's sort of this convergence of interest going on, maybe of late, when it comes to these subjects. Don't you think, wouldn't you say so? Yes, I, I, I think that the next great step is being taken. It's already started. You know... You were right on mentioning about the fact that, uh, you know, before everybody was interested in the lights in the sky, right? Well, now you, you've got different individuals, individuals. You always have different groups within it. But I must say that overall, the quality of individuals that go to the shows are really incredible people. I would they're, agree. They're, mm. Oh, my gosh. They are the most sweetest, loving, caring. I, I don't know what to say. It, 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 I'm, I'm so thankful that we have such great attendees. Um, they are polite to one another. They care about one another. They help each other make decisions on who they're going to see next. It is, the, it is the most sweetest thing. But I noticed that more and more individuals that come to our conference are now interested in, okay, we, we know they exist. We believe that they're here. Now, what, what do we do from here? What, what do we do from here on out? 
what's our relationship? Why are they here? How does that, how is it that they are part of our own growth? You know, everybody comes to spirituality, metaphysics, whatever you may call it, religion, whatever, in, in, in the way that they do. Everybody comes in their own way. Mm-hmm. One aspect, and this is just something I've been thinking about again, one thing that I've found is a lot of people are coming to the spiritual aspects of life through the study of ufology. Interesting. And because our, because if they are designed, and more and more information is coming out, that they are moving us and somehow connected to us from our past DNA that we came from them at the onset, be it through whatever means, it could be under slavery or whatever it may be, it, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that we are here today at a point in our evolution where I think we surpassed our own creators if that is the group that you're in. In other words, there are certain individuals that believe that they created us. That's and, right. And, and, and took their DNA, mixed it with the Neanderthals, and, and hence we came to where we are now. They just didn't expect the evolution, the natural evolution of us to take on the space that we're in. I think that we are eventually going to even surpass them. I don't know if they have a soul. I, I, I don't know if they, if, if, if they have the capabilities that we as humans have, regenerating ourselves, giving birth. Um, these are the things that we've questioned over the years. But, but another big question is how does how do they affect our own consciousness? Mm-hmm. That's right. How does it relate to, to, to how we are, are, are moving through our own evolution? Right. Have we, have we tr- truly gone beyond even them in our understanding of who we are? That's an interesting question. But I, I have to ask you when you say they, uh, it, you know, this is a highly contentious subject when we talk about species or ETs as being or painting them with one broad brush. And right. I and we look, I don't know that any of us truly and fully know the scope of this, how ubiquitous they are, who are they and are they one? My sense is that as we are a multitude in culture, diverse in culture and, and, and beliefs even in colors and hues, so are they. And spiritual uh, aptitude, so right. are they. So when what made me think of that, uh, Victoria, is when you mentioned we don't even know if they have a soul. Perhaps there is a faction that don't. You know, we've, we're familiar with this whole idea of uh, non-human intelligence that are more akin to AI, artificial intelligence, and those, you know, being uh, uh, synthetic creations, and but still advanced in some ways, and yet lacking empathy and lacking the soul. Wherein others, whereas others, I've heard the mantis beings or mantid beings, as an example, may be uh, more advanced, both technologically and spiritually. I don't know. I'm, these are just the variety that we're looking at here. So this is what makes it utterly confusing. I think so many people that are perhaps coming to your conference and, and others like it are 
asking those questions. Who am I dealing with, really? Or for those, of course, that uh, feel themselves to be having contact. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. No, this is definitely uh, uh, an awakening for many. This is part, everybody comes to it in their own way. And when you go to these things and you find out that these other beings exist and you find out how how our consciousness can be um, uh, manipulated, but we can also see that our consciousness is also expanding to, to, to being able to understand that we are not the only people on the block <laughs> living on the block. Right. Uh, that alone is huge and opens so many minds. So sometimes we look at things that and we'll say, uh, I remember, I, I forgot what it was, was it some TV show on TV and it was showing all these people and how they lived and all this stuff. And I remember my mother-in-law, who was from the old country, she she would look at it, but her whole mind expanded because she got to see how how other people lived and how other people thought and all of that. So she, that was her way of learning and how her consciousness was able to be expanded. Mm-hmm. So it just so happens that this whole thing on UFOs helps us to better understand who we are in the universe. We no longer think just specific to our cities anymore or our country. It's more like and beyond our world, there are things going on. And it opens our mind to be able to be uh, to, to, to be able to see other things that will come in our in our our, uh, our light. Because think about it. If it, it is going back to what the belief, they've never seen a ship before. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to see it first, but once one sees it, then others can see it. And that's what's happening as a whole for our humanity. We're, we're growing and expanding. And I believe that spiritual growth, the spirituality that's in this whole uh, genre is based on the fact that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And that that we're multi-dimensional beings and that there are there is a greater state within us within which we can survive that it's no longer looking at consciousness creating this you know weird world that we're living in we can go to stage two now where we're able to be moving into a conscious awareness a deeper sense of who we are and we start to move into a deeper place within ourselves where we can survive by other aspects, other faculties in the brain. You know, there's so much more coming in now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, I'm. there's so much talk about, Victoria, this idea that these others, if you will, and again, considering that there are a multitude of different types of others in our midst right now. You know, we just had the uh, the premiere of the, the new season of Ancient Aliens, right? I don't know if you saw it, the two-hour premiere last Friday, I believe it was. And that name, Ancient, has always kind of daunted me a little bit because or, or seemed a little bit to be of a mis, uh, misnomer because I know that it's based on an ancient alien theory. And yet, we're. I'm quite interested in the present day. To what extent are they a part... To, to whatever extent, are they a part of our lives and perhaps on this planet right now? So here's a question I want to ask you, getting back to the event itself. Do you believe that 
assuming there is some non-human intelligence presence on this planet, that any of them have ever attended Contact in the Desert? <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question. You know, I... <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I am so busy working while I'm there that I'm not there. In fact, people go, God, everywhere I go, I see you, Victoria. That's I true. <laughs> I think you have, I think you've bilocated actually on a couple of occasions. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I do know this, that when I go to that show and I'm doing it, I mean, it's big. It's a big show to, to, to take on. My mind is really so focused on service, on giving to others. I lose sense of my own self. I, I don't, I'm not looking at it from that way. It's, it's how can I make this bigger, better, different? I'm constantly aware of what is going on in six rooms, seven rooms. Mm. <laughs> That, that are they all getting, uh, is everything going? Is it right? Is it, uh, do we have enough of this or do we have enough of that? You know, th there's so much to focus on. I, you know, who knows? I can't imagine them not wanting to go. Right. <laughs> that well, I, way. I say that kind of with a little bit of seriousness because there has been, I have attended events in the past, some of them a bit, a lot more intimate. I mean, we're talking about contact as a huge event. Uh, but a couple of events that I have attended in which other attendees and uh, even some of the organizers have claimed or have had a sense that there was a presence perhaps by non-human in that, in the very venue. In fact, I think it was Bob Dean, who hasn't been on the circuit for quite some time due to his age and, and ailing health, who has talked about being confronted by uh, a couple of individuals who admitted to him that they were not fully human. Or I take that back. Um, I'm thinking of somebody else, but he has, he has said that he has felt that being in certain venues that he has been in contact or sat next to even uh, individuals that he thought something was a bit different. Barbara Lamb, same thing. We just talked about Barbara Lamb. So, you know, I'm just wondering if perhaps anyone had come up to you and said, you know what, Victoria, I've met someone that just didn't seem fully, quite fully human. Who knows? Who knows, but, you know, right? But but I'm not moved by it. See, that's just it. I, I can't, I can't be glamorized by anything. I, you know, I've been through so much. You sure it's have. Like <laughs> somebody comes through, comes up to me and says, you know, I'm an alien. Da, 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 da. You know, it has happened. Yes, it happened. And I accept it. Uh, I remember one person said, um, yes, I, I don't have to come back here anymore. And I looked at the per at this fellow and I said, oh, well, I do. I said, somebody's got to pull everybody together. <laughs> <laughs> but why did he say that? Um, because he felt that he had gone as far as he could in our world and wanted to go to another place. Really? He felt done. Yeah, he spent, was finished. But I have to be honest with you, um, you know, I may not sound like it, but, you know, there was a time where I just became a monk. And for 10 years, I was by myself. And maybe that's why I talk so much now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it for last time. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I took time away. And I remember uh, I went so deep in it that uh, it, it felt like looking at other individuals. I, I was truly just an observer of life. I, I literally saw 
you know, people were walking around me and all that. I could converse and all that. But I, I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel, in other words, I'd gone so high that I was at total peace inside, total. I, I wanted for nothing. I had everything. I felt full. But that connection, I found myself by myself that I said, oh, my gosh, what use do I have in getting to that point in my own spiritual growth and finding I'm alone on the top of the mountain? And so I just said, no, that's not going to work. Uh, if they don't make it, I don't make it. Because if we're all returning back to that oneness, then that means all of us. If I don't make it, you don't make it. You don't make it. I don't make it. So what's the use of going by yourself? Why not go back, work with others, helping them, serving them, uh, um, and keep working on who you are as a being? And uh, do that from there. And that's always been my uh, thing. So when I, yes, I come upon many people that have, have gotten to certain places in life. But I can't look at where they are. I can only judge where I am. That's right. I agree what with I, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Beautifully said. I can't believe it. I'm looking at this clock. Not only are we nearing the end, we're over. So we're going to have to wind it up. I know we're going to have you back and we're going to, we're going to talk next time we have you on. We're going to talk about the great book that you wrote all the way back in 2002 called God as Mother, a true story of the search for mystic Christianity and origins of the soul. You recently sent me a copy. And by the way, folks, I, I, I love, I haven't even cracked it open yet. I'm putting it on my summer reading list, but the cover if you can judge a book by its cover, <laughs> I know this is going to be a good one. It's absolutely gorgeous. So we're going to have you uh, back to talk about all that. But before we close out, tell us what, first of all, we, really quick, we just ran a little spot on where, where it's going to be happening this year, Indian Wells uh, Resort and Spa in Indian Wells, California. But tell us a little, give us a little sneak peek about, about who we're going to be hearing from. And what do you think is going to be the biggest coming out, let's just say, hint of this year's conference. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the, well, what's exciting, first of all, the date is June 1st through the 3rd. Uh, if you're staying for the intensives, that's on the 4th. So it's a three-day uh, event. Now, we've got, the, what makes Contact in the Desert what it is, is that we have an amazing lineup. Nassim Harriman uh, is joining us. Uh, Rocock, Corey Good, Freddie Silva, Giorgio Sukalos, Whitley Strieber, Daniel Sheehan. I mean, the, the names, Robert Schuck, uh, we've got Linda Moulton Howe, Richard Dolan. I mean, these are just John DeSousa, Jason Quinn, uh, Billy, Billy Carson. Anything that you're interested in. Absolutely. It's all here. Whether you're the ufologist, or you're the disclosure enthusiasts, it doesn't make, or the ancient alien, it's all there. That is one of the primary things that people love about the show is that we are giving you it all in one and you get to choose what you want to see. Yes. We have over 50 speakers, uh, 75 lectures, 50 um, workshops, and another 17 intensives and eight panels. We have 
meet and greet. And we have a huge special event on Saturday night, a magic show, uh, David Copperfield size type. Um, the beautiful thing about it is that uh, we also have tours going to Giant Rock and to, uh, let's see, Integratron and Crystal Hill, the other things too. So it's not your usual conference, that is for sure. We have a 360 dome. That's a, like VR without glasses, where you're immersed in, bl in dark matter or in uh, the seven temples of Peru. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's really it is beautiful. something. And I can t attest to it, folks. I was there last year and I just, I'm like, and it's over already? It was, <laughs> it's, it, you pack in so much stuff, but I think people wanted it to go on even longer because it's just so much going on. And again, not to sound, cliche but the energy is just good and i you know for those that are energy sensitive you'll feel it when you go to these conferences and unfortunately many of them because there's particularly when they're so large you're gonna get a potpourri a stew if you will of everything and i've to been to those this I, one i'm sorry go ahead i was just going to mention one more thing oh we have um george nori uh, will be there too because i know there's a lot of individuals out there that love george nori so absolutely it's going to be there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, so the energy is good. The guests, the speakers are good. Yours truly will be introducing a few of them as well. So I'm really excited about that. Let me ask you uh, quickly, uh, Victoria. We Unfortunately, we lost. We saw several giants in this field uh, depart this dimension, if you will. And I, I have to feel that they are continuing on their journey elsewhere. We're talking about Jim Mars, who was slated to speak last year and fell ill uh, right right about that time. John Anthony West, we lost, I believe, back in February. And of course, most recently, Art Bell, Re really a shocker for a lot of people. Do you know if you're planning any events to commemorate their work, their great work? Yes, during our awards event, we have an awards event that night. Uh, during that night, we will be commemorating them, yes. And, That's great. Well, uh, so the interesting thing about it is that, you know, I knew them all personally. So uh, not, not Art Bell, but um, Art Bell, I feel like I grew up with because, uh, you know, he's the whole reason why so many of us came to any of this. Mm -hmm. you know, people didn't even believe in all of these things before Art Bell. But Art Bell bought it to us on this platter. And made it so accessible. I loved it. Yeah. About sure, sure and, and and so we're very fortunate. But you're right. I am so going to miss uh, both John and uh, Jim Mars, John Anthony Weston and Jim Mars, because they were such good souls. They were incredible souls. Mm. And books are there. And we do have. Uh, and this is not a sales pitch by any means. Um, we do have, fortunately, the DVDs of, of all his, you know, Jim was with us quite a few years, and so was John. So um, we do have their videos available still, and thank goodness we have them. Uh, so they're still living with us. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Their great work goes on and on. So, well, I'm going to tell, I'm not going to tell, I'm going to suggest everyone everyone go to contact in the desert.com to learn more get your tickets and I'm, I know they're going to sell out so please go over there immediately and make arrangements if you're whether you're in the area or maybe you can get a good deal on a flight out I got a pretty good deal on my flight out from Boston so and I would love to see you there and Victoria I can't wait to see you and give you a big hug and kiss and we're going to get to hang out even though you're busy we'll still find some time to hang out right oh, 
absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? And who knows? We may be, we may be expanding to expanding. We'll keep it in, you know, Los Angeles still uh, area, but um, we may be expanding back east. I will know that. That is great. You yeah. heard it here first, folks. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it. maybe you'll be, I don't know, in Europe one of these days. But uh, yes, yes, that we're we're in negotiations on right. All now. right, I knew that. That's why I had to put that in there too. So yeah. that's great. Listen, keep up the phenomenal work, and most importantly, keep up your path because I know you're on it, and I know that there are people out there listening right now, Victoria, who maybe had a little epiphany of their own. Let go, let go, let go, let God, let universe do it. Along with you, I believe that uh, we're partners in this. So we do have a part to play, but you've done it beautifully. And I want to commend you and uh, and your partner uh, for all the great work uh, that you've done in building this stellar event, Paul Andrews, and uh, all the best for great success this year and beyond. Thanks so much. Thank you. Victoria is certain that the way the energies are right now, coming together and working for a common goal of good is absolutely urgent. We cannot go it alone, no matter how independent we may think we are. It has to be a group effort. It takes more energy to break through and to gain access to the wider cosmos in which we live, one that likely includes the presence of non-human intelligence. Please be sure to visit contactinthedesert.com to learn about all the exciting events they've got planned this year, and I do hope to see you there. Until next time, I'm your host of Higher Journeys, Alexis Brooks.